So let's imagine, if you can, that you're sitting at a table with a group of people with, let's say, diverse political perspectives. And perhaps you can, I mean, some of us might be able to imagine this more clearly than others, but uh, in the, as we're sitting there at the table, someone reads this short story that is either um, intended to initiate conversation or to, like, destroy, like, the entire place. <laughs> So here it is, this, this uh, paragraph. A politician woke up early in the morning but didn't feel fully awake, so she stopped for coffee at Starbucks, which some of her colleagues call a woke company. This seemed to make sense because, well, coffee. But why did they say woke with such disdain? Confused and still waiting in line, she thought, maybe it'll all make more sense once I have coffee and my brain wakes up. <laughs> okay, so, so what kind of a conversation in this particular environment do you think that this paragraph will inspire? Someone might say, I just don't know why these woke companies hate America. Wait, what do you mean hate America? Isn't being awake a good thing? Not if you're trying to indoctrinate our children, it isn't. But but teaching history isn't indoctrinating children, right? And this goes back and forth, back and forth, until someone says, you know, I just have to say that I really like the dark roast coffee at Starbucks. They obviously weren't paying attention to the story very closely. Uh, and, and maybe this distraction sort of ends the conversation, unless someone then says, I like the Starbucks Christmas blend because we're not allowed to say Christmas in this country anymore. And then the arguing continues and the culture wars continue. Can, can you imagine this? So how did this short story spark such controversy? How did this short story uh, help sort of touch on these hot-button issues that would naturally come up? Well, well, first, the story repeats some form of the word awake so many times that it's almost impossible to miss it, right? Did you notice that it, that it said awake like five times? Second, the word that was repeated carries with it a nuance and a, and a cultural weight. There's sort of like there's a lot of heaviness to that particular word. Woke has been used for a long time to indicate uh, an awareness of the dynamics of racism in our society. But now, being woke is a label that is either really good or really bad, depending on your political perspective, right? So the story about this tired politician getting coffee is written intentionally to focus our attention on some of these important and controversial topics that people are talking about, okay? Are you, are you following me? So if we travel back in time, roughly uh, 2,500 years in the Bible, we will find there, just like here, important and controversial issues, issues that, that in many ways are, are like what we're dealing with today. So, the book of Nehemiah, which is in the Bible, tells us about a time after exile when people returned to their homeland, when they returned to Jerusalem after being away for a long time, and they have to rebuild. They have to rebuild Jerusalem, they have to rebuild their lives there. And during this time, they read a particular verse in the Bible 
that said something about excluding people who were from the country of Moab because once upon a time, the country of Moab tried to curse everybody, which is a bad thing. So when they read this, Nehemiah says that the people decided to exclude from Israel all who were of foreign descent. The people justified exclusion of others because of something they read in the Bible. More than that, they outlawed marriage to women of foreign descent. And this fear of people from other countries and other cultures was believed by many at this time to be what God wanted. Thank God that doesn't happen today. (laughs) So in the middle of this controversial moment, this significant and controversial moment in the life of the people 2,500 years ago, comes the story of Ruth. A story that we started looking at last week, which immediately plays on the fear and the prejudice of the people at that particular time. A family goes to Moab, you know, the country that is terrible, and the sons marry foreign women, and obviously, just like we knew was going to happen, all the men die. Obviously. And the women are left alone because nothing good was going to happen in Moab or with people from Moab. Like, we knew that's how the story was going to end. So the beginning of Ruth focuses the reader's attention on this important and controversial issue of that time of exclusion, of immigration. And one of the ways it does this is through repeating a particular word, like a lot. So let's listen and see if we can notice uh, what that word is while also listening to the plot. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Ruth, uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Then she, Naomi... Uh, Naomi, uh, being um, the mother-in-law of, of Ruth, Naomi, after the death of her husband and, her, and both of her sons, started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. So Naomi is from Israel originally. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt kindly with the dead and with me. The The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Go back, or return, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they might become your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughter, 
my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then she wept aloud. Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, kissed her. But Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back. Your sister-in-law has returned to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Okay, so just pause for a second. So what is the word that was repeated like, I don't know, 10 times? Did anybody hear it? Return, right? Like a lot. This this story wouldn't get like a good grade in, in an English class. It was like, try using a thesaurus, right? Return, 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 go back. And in the context of anti-immigration, religion, and politics, here in the Bible, this word is super loaded, right? This word raises the fear and prejudice of the people to the surface so that they can't miss it. Like we're talking about returning all of the time. And at a superficial level, this repeated word seems to be saying what Nehemiah was saying. Naomi should return to her people and her land and her God, and the Moabite women should return to their people and their land and their gods. And to be honest, even today, return is used in this despicable way whenever a a person of color or someone speaking another language is told to to go back home or or you should return to your own country, right? It's strange, but so far, everything seems to be going the way of those who want to exclude others in the name of God. This is how the story feels up to this point. The majority of the people are shaking their heads in agreement saying, yes, this is exactly what God wants. Until verse 16, when Ruth speaks and says to Naomi, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. I should read that again. I mean, listen. to to what she says. Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. There will I be buried. I won't even let death separate me from you. This is such a powerful and, and, and honestly a provocative shift in the story. First, because Ruth is this despised foreign woman. And in this story, in this moment, she speaks for herself. She has a voice. You and I have a voice. Everyone has a voice. But when it comes to many of these most controversial issues that we are dealing with in the world today, do we notice what voices are missing or ignored? Ruth is the voice of the dreamer. Ruth is the voice of the queer teenager. 
Ruth speaks and changes the whole direction of this story by speaking. She speaks and all of a sudden the word return is no longer about exclusion, but about returning with or returning to each other. It's a, it's a joining together rather than a pulling apart, right? And not only is Ruth the voice of the most vulnerable in this story, but she's also the voice of God. So far in the story, God is surprisingly absent. There's, there's no thus says the Lord in the story so far. There's no Morgan Freeman voice coming from a cloud or, or a burning bush. All we get of God is a few comments from people about what they think God is doing or God is not doing. But Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, may God be kind to you just as you have been kind to me and my family. And so the word, the, the phrase just as is like an equal sign. Your kindness is equal to God's kindness. And, and the Hebrew word for kindness here is hesed, which is, is a quality of God. It's a unique quality of God that is so much more than just being nice to people. It's loyalty. It's absolute faithfulness. It's a fully unconditional love type of kindness. This is the kindness of God and it's reflected in Ruth. Ruth is the illegal, undocumented foreigner. I mean, she is literally, in this time and place, the illegal foreigner who is the presence of God's loving kindness in the story. She is the presence of God. I mean, can you hear God, God's voice to us in her words? Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people are my people. And, and as we move through Lent, toward, toward Holy Week, toward, toward Jesus' arrest, and towards his death on the cross, can we hear his voice? Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. Not even death can separate us. Instead of returning to the, the small tribal deities who fight against those who are different than us, Ruth is inviting people then, and she is inviting us now to return, return, return to the God of all creation, whose vision from the very beginning of the story was to bless all nations, all families, all people of the earth. So Naomi returned, together with Ruth, the foreigner, the Moabite. We, the story doesn't let us forget who she is. She returned with her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So the story begins with a famine and with a sense that God has left this nation and these people and we get to the end of, of this chapter, and it's, it's the beginning of harvest. There's maybe a little bit of hope to be continued. 
We'll continue next week. Please pray with me. Jesus, help us to hear your voice. Help us to return to this wider vision of who God is. Help us to see one another. Help us to notice you speaking and acting through the people around us, especially those who are different than us. Help us to see more clearly. Help, and help us to listen to one another with more kindness, with more openness, and with more love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.